people moved out to the suburbs. The one coming back now are not even from around here. This is a whole new batch of people coming in that's not even familiar with the area. Today we have Dr. Cobb joining us from Berman's Sociology Department. He previously interviewed Mike and Jackie Brown of Southern Side, and he's here to give a little bit of context and background about his interview and some of the things they talked about. Dr. Cobb, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. So first, I'd love to know a little bit more about your research with Southern Side. I know you mentioned that you have a book, and I'd love if you could give a little bit of context about that. Yeah, I have a book coming out in the fall. It's called Retail Inequality, Reframing the Food Desert Debate. It is about a national phenomenon of neighborhoods across the country that are frustrated with the changes that have happened over time. They've lost grocery stores, and that's the food desert angle. But they've also lost a lot of the mom and pop retail corner stores that they grew up and they remember. So I talked with Mike and Jackie Brown, who live in Southern Side, and they're good friends. And I've known them probably for about, I'd say, eight years now. I reached out to them because they've lived in Southern Side, all over Southern Side. I really enjoy talking to people about their memories in the neighborhood. That's usually the first question I ask when I interview folks. They can just rattle off a list of names. The names of the streets to listeners won't be familiar. You can pull up a Google map and and follow along. But the important part is that they've seen all the changes in the neighborhood. Jackie Brown has lived in blocks that have since been decimated and completely demolished, and that their currently blocks was just grassy fields, and there's no land there anymore. They've watched the decline of their neighborhoods in terms of people leaving, businesses leaving, and in the past 10 years or so, they've watched the revitalization of the neighborhood, but not necessarily the type of investment that caters to their wants and needs. They're frustrated with really expensive condos that are being built up. Not so much that they begrudge people for wanting to live there. They've lived there their whole life. It's just the neighborhood that once lived there, those residents have largely left. And there's no way they could return because they couldn't afford to live where they grew up. And so that's, that's frustrating to them. I think they offer a really unique perspective on the changes on that side of town. Yeah, I think so too. And I think it was important to distinguish that it's they're not necessarily against the changes in Unity Park, which is going in, but that it is kind of saddening to see things you once knew changing and people you once knew. You did mention a portion about like demographic change, which I thought was really powerful, how you have with rising costs, this racial turnover that occurs. Yeah. I mean, it's if you look at the demographics of the neighborhood, in 1960, the population was three times what it is today. And this isn't entirely unique to Greenville or Southern Side. Most of my research is on Southern Side, but there's also an adjacent neighborhood slightly to the South called West Greenville. And both of them have experienced serious decline that began with shifts in the manufacturing center industry in the United States all across the country. In Greenville, it was textiles. Those jobs have largely left. They've either gone overseas or they've been automated, so replaced by machines. Once those jobs started to leave in the 60s and 70s, the demand for the housing stock in Southern Side and West Greenville really started to decline. Because there was more houses than people who wanted to buy them, the prices started to drop. Once prices start to drop, the incentive to renovate or rehabilitate your house really starts to decline. And that creates a spiral that bottoms out with blight, dilapidation, and ultimately demolishing housing stock that once existed. 
the city and the county and the state and the federal government, their response to the decline in those neighborhoods was through a, a set of policies popularly known as urban renewal. And urban renewal was the governmental response to urban decline. And in Greenville, it took the form of roadways. And so because those neighborhoods were starting to decline rapidly, they were acquisition of real estate by local, state, and federal government to build a road. And there was a planned road. And Mike refers to this, they were planning to build a highway through Southern Side. And they were. It was going to be called the Downtown Loop. And it was going to be a bypass to get people around the city instead of having to go through Main Street. Now, ironically, after a lot of land was acquired to build that road, they decided not to build it at all. And so that's why you have lots of open, vacant areas around where Unity Park is going to be built. And so those open, vacant neighborhoods, some of which Jackie used to live in herself, is what makes Unity Park possible. But it also sets the stage for the frustration today. It's that those neighborhoods declined. And when there was an opportunity to do something about it, it was to build a road on top of it. What those roads did through and around Greenville that were meant to go out to the suburbs, largely Malden, Simpsonville, Fountain Inn was the subsidized infrastructure that enabled the growth of the suburbs. And so those suburbs uh, back in 1960 had a combined population of about 10,000 people. And now they've exploded over time, while Southern Side and West Greenville saw a clear drop in population. Because the city, state, and federal governments decided, let's build roads, let's build utilities, power, gas, water, sewer capacity that enable the suburbs to grow, it really sort of gives a sense of where priorities lay. Now there's a clear shift. The priority is back in the city center. Unity Park is tens of millions of dollars. It is a huge undertaking. And it's a sign that city and the urban centers are important. And while Mike and Jackie applaud that, they like the park. I mean, they see that the park is being built and it's going to be a really nice place. That type of investment has also sparked private sector investment. So where public sector starts the decisions, where to invest, where not to invest, private sector investment follows, and that is real estate speculation, prices driving up because the park is a really nice amenity. And the city is putting utilities underground to get rid of unsightly power lines. They're upgrading sewer capacity to enable more development and more dense development. These are all really nice things that the, the public sector has decided to do. But now, because they're so attractive to private sector investors and real estate speculators, that the longtime residents who stuck it out during the long decline between 1960 and 2010, they can't really reap the benefits as much because the new properties are so expensive that they're priced out. And the folks who were displaced, they could never come back and afford to live where they once grew up. The story of Southern Side and West Greenville is a, is a story being told across the country. It's that you had a, a process of urban decline followed by urban renewal, a depopulation of these city centers, but now a renewed reinvestment in the urban core. But ironically, it's driving up property values to a point where it can't really help the people that were displaced by the earlier urban policies. On the previous episode, it was mentioned that Greenville Housing Fund and other organizations involved in the park have really been focusing on grassroots organizations throughout the whole thing. They even mentioned kind of going door to door to ask residents about recommendations they had, you know, as changes continue to occur regarding the park's construction. Do you know if this is actually something that's occurring? Greenville Housing Fund is doing all they can. The problem is they're 20 years late. And that's not necessarily their fault. It's that this is a, a problem, the extent to which started to begin in around 1960. And so when Mike and Jackie are set because the, the stores they grew up with aren't there anymore, and the types of housing, the condos being built aren't necessarily ones that cater to their wants and needs, the Greenville Housing Fund can't do anything about that. Private property and people bought it and developed it. 
And the city tried to keep up with zoning regulations, and they have some limited tools to control what is built, but it's very limited. The Greenville Housing Fund will build affordable housing around Unity Park, and that housing will be pegged to the median household income, which is still going to be quite expensive for longtime residents, but it will be below market rates, so it will be subsidized, but it'll never be able to bring back roughly the 66% of the population that were displaced over a half of a century. That's not necessarily their fault. Nobody likes it when the government picks winners and losers. And during the 60s and 70s, the government was definitely picking winners and losers. And Southern Side and West Greenville were losers in their eyes. They weren't deserving of the investment. We've changed course, and now we're investing heavily in those neighborhoods. But by investing so heavily in Unity Park and nice sidewalks and beautiful streets and landscaping, you're also increasing the amenities that also drive up property values that make it even harder for the Affordable Housing Fund to accomplish their task. And what would be the solution? Do we not invest in roadways and underground utilities and nice parks? No, I don't think that's the answer either. It's just they're trying to make up for a problem that started so much earlier that it's it's a really challenging task. Mm -hmm. I've been looking at the Greenville 2040 plan. Those are all very ambitious perspective visions for the city. Uh, But I I do wonder about neighborhood change. I feel like it's just going to exasperate it on a larger magnitude. And then you see these kinds of things happening in other areas of Greenville and the county and around the country. Yeah. I mean, it's happening all over the country. Basically, the, the government and the public sector decided to give up on the urban center, invest in the suburbs, and then slowly they've come around to look back to the, the city center and say, what can we do here? Let's build parks. Let's build greenways. Let's build public libraries. And that's great. Those are wonderful public amenities. But where the public amenities start, private investment follows. It makes it a nice place to live, and therefore it increases demand, and therefore prices go up. It's really sad to hear it from the perspective of someone who's watched it. They've watched the decline and the rise. They felt left behind before, and they're still kind of feeling left behind again. Because all the improvements, although they like the park and the sidewalks and the roadways, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that the neighborhoods can return to the composition that they were when they grew up. I think one of the biggest dilemmas in policy is consideration about, you know, lived human experiences. And I feel like so much of that is ignored. You think these big picture things are great. They have great consequences. And then you get a whole new perspective when you're asking individual people how their lives, their streets, their shops, places they like to go are affected. I was really moved in listening to Mike and Jackie speak about the way Southern Side has changed. Yeah. If you really want to know the changes, it's easy to look on a map or read the changing figures in the census. But talking to real humans and getting a human perspective can really shape your view of things. I wanted to start today because I remember when we talked how long y'all have lived in Southern Side. And I remember being really impressed by all the different addresses that y'all have lived at in Southern Side. That's right. Uh, could you walk me through some of the different addresses or houses that you've lived in, places in Southern Side over your life? Well, for me, uh, it started on Echo Street, which is Capitol Court now from Washington Street up to Hampton Avenue. That part is Capitol Court now, but from uh, Hampton up to Pete Hollis is still Echoes. Yeah. But I was, we, I was born and raised there, and we moved up to Frank Street in 1974. Just right up Hampton. It's, it's a little skip, hop and skip from where we used to stay. Yeah. And that's why I stayed until uh, me and Jackie got married. 
I moved, I mean, I was born on Oscar Street and moved from Oscar to, can't remember the name Street, Lord, but <laughs> from Oscar Street, and then I came, my father worked at uh, Plexon right there on Hudson Street. Yeah. And we moved from Hudson Street to Woodland Homes, mm-hmm. and then we moved back from Woodland Homes to Pinckney. And I think he went from Pinckney to Gibbs Street. I met Michael, and then I moved back to Pinckney Street, and then me and Mike. Yeah, we got married. We got married. We wound up where we are now. Y'all are still on Wind Street? Yeah, we've right. been, we've been mm-hmm. here 33 years now. 33 years. Yep. That's kind of what I want to talk about today is that, you know, Southern Side has changed a lot over the course of your lifetimes. And part of the stuff that I talk about in the book was that, you know, 50, 60 years ago, Southern Side had about three times more people. That's right. Do you remember blocks that were filled with houses that are kind of empty now? They built a lot of new houses on a lot of the empty lots. And it's not many in the area I was raised up in off of Echoes, but the area Jack was raised up in off of uh, Oscar Street. You know, they got the new unit of park going in down there. Yeah. Most of uh, where Jack was raised, all those houses are gone. There's a lot of empty lots right there around Nassau and Oscar Street. Right. If you know between Oscar and Meadows Street on Hudson, yeah. do you remember when that used to be filled up with houses? Yes, yeah. yes. And the, the place her father worked at, that Plexon, it was right at the uh, corner of Oscar and Meadow. It was at the, on Hudson Street right there. Yeah. There's a big plant there. They call it Plexon. And that's where her father worked. And what did they do with that plant? They, they tore it down. It's, uh, I think they got condos. Yeah, it's condos there now. I think they're getting ready to build the condos right there. And they're kind of in that spot on Hudson right there. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when they started tearing down those houses like on Oscar, between Oscar and Meadow? Probably. It hadn't been long. I've been retired 10 years. 12 years ago, most of those houses were still there because I had to do some work with the water company in that area. So I know at least 12 years they were still there. And I think right after that, probably about nine years ago, they started clearing all of them out. Do you remember why they started clearing them all out? They talked about that park back then, and I think that's when they started all the building around here in Greenville. And a lot of people were selling the properties, I guess, to try to get in on that. Now, from where I stayed on Echoes, we were told they were going to bring a highway through That's right. back then. And that's why a lot of people had to you know, up and move. That's and, right. well, the highway now, they did bring it, but they didn't bring it through where they said they were going to bring it, like Washington Street area. I think they had an issue with the depot, with the train trussle, and they they scrapped that plan in. But by then, most people had moved, and most people didn't own their houses anyway then. You know, a lot of people was renting for 30, 40 years. If they didn't get the lease renewed, they didn't have no choice. No, they had to move. That's exactly right. Maybe one or two people owned their houses in the area I was raised up in, in Jackie. Most people rented in those days. I did a lot of research and I found the documents. They said they were going to build around Oscar and Meadow and they started clearing out a lot of those houses. Now, a lot of that is going to be rebuilt with Unity Park, but I can imagine that now things are so expensive that if they start rebuilding houses there, it might be a little different than what it was before. It's going to be a lot different. They're supposed to have right there in the Meadow Street area, 
They're supposed to have some lots for affordable housing, which really is not affordable for some people. You know, they say affordable housing, but it's still a be expensive for some people, you know, to obtain those, those houses. Yeah. But it may be affordable for some people, yeah. But it, it wouldn't be like it was if the houses were still there. Yeah. Well, I can imagine. I mean, they're building like crazy around Wind Street. Yeah, got two new houses in front of us. So, <laughs> yeah, and that's right. Yeah, they're going up everywhere around here. And like I say, most of the places they're building, but like I say, people rented those houses that were there on old yeah. lots. Yeah. They were pretty. They were pretty old houses, and it probably took a lot to you know repair them. So a lot of people tore them down. Yeah. Went ahead and sold the lots a little later on where they're building all these new houses at. Are y'all getting calls or letters asking to buy your house? Yeah, I kind of put a stop to that, but I get one every now and then. Was it getting kind of bad at one point? Yeah, I had a few choice words with a few of them just to tell them to stop calling and sending in the mail. Yeah. And I had a lot of them tell me that the reason they wanted to buy my property is because they wanted to stay close to town and this and that. And I say, well, I've been in this town all my life. I say, what makes you think I want to up and move where you can be close to town? I say, I want to be close to downtown too. Right. You know, the neighborhood has changed so much, even in just the past 10 years. Uh, yeah. They're buying up property like crazy and they're spending tons of money. And I'm wondering, I mean, are you ever tempted? Was there ever a moment where you thought maybe we could just sell it and try somewhere else? No. And they wouldn't give me what I wanted for it anyway. And, and I like where I am, you know, right here. Like I said, we've been here all our lives. And I, I value that more than I don't I wouldn't want to pick up and start over again like that. You know, somewhere I'm not familiar with. We are getting older, too. Yeah, we kind of settled in. Like our little cozy home. It is a beautiful home. And now the store is popping up. A few more things than what used to be around, you know, that's walking distance. We've got Cook Station, Arby's, there's new Starbucks. Arizona is down at Stone and Wade Hampton, but still nothing close. Mike, when you lived on Pinckney and you lived on Frank, and then when you and Jackie both lived on Pinckney, you still remember the old Cash and Carry supermarket? Yeah, that was that was our main store. Even when I was uh, down on Echoes, you know, that was walking distance for us and the neighbors. That's where everybody came. That was our grocery store. It was like right in the middle of everything. And on the weekends, people would come from North Carolina and everywhere to shop there. But that was our main store. And we had on, on Washington Street, it was like a little town down there because we had another little store we go to there. We had a, a cleaners, had a, a laundromat, barbershop, and we had a drugstore where we bought our prescriptions and a couple of restaurants. All of that was right there in the little section of Echo, right there by the uh, Amtrak station. From the Amtrak station down to Trescott Street, that one area. Yep. We had just about everything we needed right there. Do you remember a store called Cy John's? Yep. yep. Oh, Cy John's on uh, Hudson Street. Now, Oscar Street and Trescott, that was George Shine. It was a little store there. It was about three little stores congested in that area, too. Pretty much all those stores are gone now. Everything, oh, yeah. yeah, that's all gone now. Closest thing to us now is probably be public downtown or the Harris T that they just built at Wee Hampton and Stone. The city did a lot of things to kind of to demolish a whole bunch of houses, and right. and the population dropped so much. And then basically in the in the sixties and seventies, 
most of the white folks who were left moved to like Malden and, and Simpsonville and Fountain Inn. All the, the customers for places like Cash and Carry moved away. And mm-hmm. so that's when all the, the stores started to, to close and shut down. And I've got an aerial photo of Nassau and Oscar Street between Oscar and Meadow. I think, Jackie, you said you probably live close around there. Uh-huh. The photo that it's in, in 1955, the whole block is chock full with houses. And then by 2010, it's just completely, absolutely cleared out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can go from that all the way to now. and You see the big difference. I, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Everybody in Southern Side, when Cash and Carry moved away and when Baby Bilo closed, everyone was really yeah. upset. But people who lived outside the neighborhood thought it was because everyone was dying to kind of change their diets and, and eat differently. No. When really they wanted the old stores back and they wanted Washington Street to kind of be like it was. Like I said, people moved out to the suburbs. The ones coming back now are not even from around here. This is a whole new batch of people coming in that's not even familiar with the area. No, they, they don't know the history at all. No, no, they're just moving in. I mean, it looks like with Unity Park, there's probably going to be some stores, some new restaurants and whatnot that are going to come. Have you heard about any of those? I hadn't heard about the restaurant part. I know on Hudson right there, uh, behind the rescue mission, that supposed to be a brewery, but I think they had a lot of flack on that. A lot of the neighbors didn't want, really want them to put that there because of the rescue mission. You know, you got right. people in recovery there, and they didn't want that to be too close. They could, like, walk out the back door and then go in and get a beer, you know. <laughs> so they kind of scrapped that, I think, and I, I don't really know what they're putting in it now, but they cleared off from the little building there down to uh, Gibb Street. Yeah. Just about cleared all that out and cutting all the trees down right there. So I really don't know. I hadn't thought the plans of, of about what's going right there yet. Have you all ever, you know, on Wellborn, that old warehouse, something called the Commons? Yes. Have you all ever been there? I hadn't been there since they redid everything. But like I said, we used to play in that area all the time when it was just a little warehouse and a paper company. And it was a beer warehouse that I think they moved out off of Anderson Road. Used to be there. But So I'm wondering, Unity Park, when they're building it, I mean, it's, I mean, they're spending a lot of money there. And they're, I think, it, I mean, the park itself is going to be real nice. I do have yeah. some concerns that it's going to, kind of accelerate some of the changes in the neighborhood what do you what do y'all think like what do you think's gonna the neighborhood's gonna look like in 10 years well in that area i don't know i just wish they wouldn't put any more condos up i'm like i'd rather see a few businesses down there a store or something that's in walking distance with us but i, I wouldn't like to see any more condos i think we got enough of those it's just about set right here where we are just most of the houses and stuff and uh, Jackie, what do you think? What do you think in the next 10 years? I mean, the neighborhood's been changing so fast. What do you think it's going to look like? It's supposed to be more, I thought, family-oriented for, I guess, the newcomers coming into the neighborhood. And it's going to be a lot of expensive homes because I'm sure those condos right down Oscar Street are very expensive yeah. to live in now. And from my understanding, I think, Gibbs Street, they just got some new condos, and I think coming down Gibbs is going to be right in there. But it's not going to be affordable, I don't think. Yeah, and it's, the way we grew up, this was a large black community. I mean, the whole area. And, you know, that, that demographic changed a lot. And I don't see it getting back like that, especially with the uh, price on the housing and everything around here. You know, a lot of people are not going to be able to afford that.
And a lot of people, I feel like, are moving in because even our neighbors now are from New Jersey and Ohio. Mm-hmm. Just don't think it's going to be fair to the less fortunate, I guess you would say. I do a lot of research in Southern Side, but I also did it in, in West Greenville as well. And West Greenville, you know, if you, if you go south of the Reedy River all the way down to uh, Pendleton, that neighborhood for the first time in 100 years is now no longer a majority black neighborhood. No, no. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother was over there in West Greenville too. And it, yeah, it's the same way. And it's getting like that over here where we are too. And I think they're changing the names because, I mean, even with West Greenville, Art District, they changed to what it's called now, what, West Point. You tell older people, you know, they used to be pimping on the street, and they don't know, you know, that that's the West Point end now. Really has changed. Continuing to change. Now, Ken, you familiar, you know, I, I forgot about the new condos. They built right up the street from us right here at the corner of Echo and Wynn. Had you noticed those? $300,000 a piece. Yeah, and they're all sold out. That's right behind the Starbucks right there. Yeah, I saw the the Starbucks, you know, everything that's along Pete Hollis. It just seems like they're building and it's it's very expensive. That's right. And um, you know what Mulberry Square used to be? Right there on Mulberry Street? I do. The city required that land, and we don't have no idea what they're going to do with it right there. I know most likely they're not going to put condos right there. I was hoping, you know, suggested they put something like a little store or something there. Because there used to be a Sphinx right across the street from that, right across Pete Hollis on the corner of Stone. So you're talking about the former Green Plaza? Yeah. And see, there used to be a Sphinx across Clock Drive-In right next door to it. But like I said, all that's most of the memories now. And yeah. then we had the old dry cleaner, and now he's... None had to close. Yeah, the Metropolitan Cleaners right there on. Yeah, right where the split between uh, Pete Hollis and right. Frank Street used to run right to the traffic light right there at Bunkman. It was Bunkman Street, and the cleaners were set right across the street. They were family owned and, you know, well known in the community and everything. Mm-hmm. And so now we don't have a dry cleaning where, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the elderly or the older people went, yeah. including us. I yeah. mean, the thing now is, I think they mm-hmm. saying next downtown next to public, you know, they really don't know the community yeah. and everything. They just built in and moved in. That was a big hurt, I think, to the community. Mike and Jackie, do you have any friends who grew up in the old Cripple Creek neighborhood on the other side of the track? Yeah, we had friends there. We had friends in West Greenville. We had yeah. friends in the Viola Street, Gill Street. Right up here, we done had several people sell their property. Because yeah. we had Cripple Creek. You know the Newtown area? Yeah. Cripple Creek, Newtown, Viola Street, Washington Street. That was all considered Southern Side. If you look at one of the old maps, all of that was included under the Southern Side name. Yeah. And we knew a lot of people in all those areas. Went to school with a lot of them. Have you seen what they're building over in Cripple Creek now? Yeah. Well, I know I went across the new footbridge. I know it's a big brewery and everything over there. And I hadn't been over that way in a little while. Yeah, they got a new, it's a new development. It's kind of between um, Hampton Avenue Extension. A lot of apartments are going up. Well, I hadn't, I hadn't even been over there. I hadn't been on the Swamp Rabbit Trail this year, and I usually ride through there, and I don't see it from the road the way I come home. I'm going to have to have to check that out. Now, Ken, aren't they going to put something right there where the iron yard, street, where that church or something? I think yeah. they done cleared all that out. 
But that whole block from right there where uh, Norris Melba back, right down Hampton Extension, what's he talking about, I think, back toward the tracks right, Ken? Right. See, I, we know a lot of people stayed there in all those old houses. I think the only thing I live now is a little church in there if they hadn't tore it down yet. Yeah. Well, the neighborhood has changed a lot. Yeah. Like I say, if you left Greenville for 20 years and came back, you wouldn't know it. <laughs> Mike and Jackie, I want to thank you so much for talking with me. All right, then. It has been incredibly impactful to hear Mike and Jackie Brown's experience witnessing changes to Southern Side. It's my hope that Unity Park will provide a space which will build up the existing community and its residents, as well as bridge the gap between the old and the new. I hope that community initiatives pushed by the Greenville Housing Fund and other aspects of City Council will be held to a similar priority as the economic and environmental initiatives that have been pursued. I hope that existing residents will feel supported and included as they watch the place they love and know change.